Praise the Lord. You can be seated. There's um, such a, a sweet presence of God in this place. Um, and, you know, as we are talking about the love of God, um, the last time I was with you, I believe, was what, two weeks, three weeks ago, and at that time, um, we were talking about being loved by love, because we know that God is love and that God loves us. Everybody look at your neighbor and say, God loves you. Praise God. He loves you. He loves us. He loves people. And when we say God is love, it's not just something that he does, but it's who he is. He is love. And um, turn to 1 John chapter 4. We'll look at verses 16 through 18. We read this the last time we were together, um, but I want to read this again. So 1 John chapter 4, verse 16 through 18, I'm actually reading from the New Living Translation. And it says this, we know how much God loves us and we have put our trust in his love. God is love and all who live in love live in God and God lives in them. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. Such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. So it says here, we know how much God loves us and we have put our trust in his love. So we not only have to know how much he loves us, but we have to put our trust in his love. We have to trust that he loves us. Praise God. Um, the definition of love that I gave the last time was, the point is not simply that God loves, but that he is love itself. Love is not merely one of his attributes, but his very nature. There is a difference, like there's um, a difference in me saying this water, and I think I used a bottle of water to, to show you, this water um, will get you wet, right? Then just saying that this is water. So in other words, I'm saying, no matter what, this is water. Whether it gets you wet or not, it's still water. God is still God. God is still love. He's still love. Praise the Lord. And so God is love means that God wants the very best for you, and God has your best interest in mind. Amen? And then we also read um, John 3.16 and I'm going to read this out of the Message Bible. It says, this is how much, I, I really like this translation, this is how much God loved the world. 
He gave his son, his one and only son. And this is why, so that no one need to be destroyed. By believing in him, anyone can have a whole and lasting life. God didn't go to all the trouble of sending his son merely to point an accusing finger, telling the world how bad it was. He came to help, to put the world right again. Anyone who trusts in him is acquitted. Anyone who refuses to trust in him has long since been under the death sentence without knowing it. And why? Because of that person's failure to believe in the one of a kind, son of God, when introduced to him. So this is how much God loved the world. So he loves everybody. He loves, he loves people, but he loves you. Amen? So tonight I want to talk about, um, actually, we're going to go to Romans chapter 8. We're going to look at a few verses from there. And um, so, you know, when we consider Paul and all that he went through, you know, Paul went through a bunch of stuff. The man went through lots of stuff. And, I mean, you know, he was shipwrecked, he was beaten, he was stoned, he was put in prison, he was falsely accused, he was um, abandoned by, you know, some of his fellow friends who were supposed to be ministering with him. I mean, Paul went through a lot of stuff. But Paul talked about and you, you should read the whole chapter of Romans chapter 8 because it's all good. It's really good. Um, but Paul talks about how much this love, that nothing can separate us from the love of God. Absolutely nothing. Praise God. Nothing can separate us from his love. Um, he, Paul was also the writer of, you know, we... we um, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, we call it the love chapter, right? So he gave us, you know, wrote that under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He wrote that particular um, passage, um, giving us a definition of love. You know, love is kind. You know, he went through all of those things. And then in Ephesians, he prayed in Ephesians chapter 3, he prayed that we would understand the love of God that we would come to know how high, how wide, how deep, how long God's love is. So Paul really wanted, and John too, you know, John, like in 1 John, we read some of 1 John, John said that he was, you know, the one whom Jesus loved. So there's something about this love. It was so important to Paul that he prayed that the people at that time the Ephesian church, but also that we would come to understand how much God loves us. Because see, when you know somebody loves you, it changes how you interact with them. It gives you confidence in who you are. When you know you're loved, when you know you're valued, you have a totally different walk, totally different talk, I can tell you one thing, them kids at my house, they know that they are loved. And they act like it. 
I'm telling you. They come in the house, you know, this is mom and dad's house, and they know that they are loved so they can go to the refrigerator, you know, they can, um, whatever. Why? Because they know that they are loved. Now, I do tell my children this, and I have told them, I said, you know what? Nothing will ever stop me from loving you. Nothing. I will always love you. There's nothing that you can do that will stop me from loving you. I will always love you. I'm your mom, and I will always love you. Now, you can do some stuff that I may not like, and you can disappoint me, you might even hurt me by your actions. But that will not change my love for you. It will not change. God says, there's nothing that's going to change my love for you. Nothing. There's nothing you can do, nothing you can say. Nothing you cannot do, nothing that you can um, imagine. There's nothing that you can do that can stop God from loving you. Now, are there consequences if you do things that are against his word? Sure. So, you know, there is that side of it, too. But even in that, God never stops loving you. He's looking for a way to restore you. He's looking for a way to help you. He's looking for a way to redeem you. He's looking for a way to encourage you. He's looking for a way to pick you up and say, hey, come on. Yeah, you messed it, messed up. You, you missed it. I remember hearing um, um, Kenneth Copeland talking about buying planes and how one time, a couple times, actually, that I remember. But one time he brought a plane, and then, you know, he was having some issues because he, he, he didn't, should not have bought the plane at the time. And uh, so he went to God, and God, you know, told him, well, I'm going to get you out of this. And he got him out of it. The plane got paid for and everything. But there was consequences. Because he got ahead of God. So he had to repent. God helped him. God picked him up. God said, come on. It's all right. You're still my boy. I still got your back. I'm still taking care of you. And even tonight, it just sense in my heart. I don't know what kind of life anybody in this room has lived. I don't know what you have been through. I don't know what you're going through now. But I am here to tell you tonight that God loves you. And God wants to help you. And God wants the best for you. And God is not going to turn his back on you. He's not going to uh, beat you over the head. He is not going to condemn you. He is not going to make you feel bad. Now, you might feel bad because you knew you did something wrong. 
And the enemy may try and take advantage of that, but God won't do that. Praise God. So whatever state you're in, there is a God who loves you and he loves you unconditionally, but he does not want you to stay in that condition. He does not want you to keep doing things that will hurt you, that will be detrimental to you. He does not want that. But is he there? Yes. Jesus promised that he would never leave us and he would never forsake us. Praise God. So let's, let's read some of this. Um, in Romans... Chapter 8. I'm going to read from the New King James Version first. Um, Here's what it says, starting verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? So Paul is asking this question. Who? Who can separate you from the love of Christ? Who can do that? And then he starts naming these things. He says, shall tribulation, can that separate you from the love of God? Can distress, can that separate you? Can persecution, can that separate you? Can famine or nakedness or peril or sword? And it says in verse 36, as it is written, for your sake, we are killed all day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So Paul is telling us, I don't care what it is. There is nothing that can separate you from the love of God. Now, in um, the New Living Translation, it says it like this. Can anything ever separate us from the love of God? And then he says, does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity? Or are we or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? Does this mean that he doesn't love us? Do we face those things? Has anybody had trouble? Okay. Has anybody had calamity? You know? Um, has anybody been persecuted? Has anybody been hungry? Has anybody been destitute, you know, homeless, not, no place to stay? Has anybody ever been in danger? Has anybody been threatened with death? So Paul lists all these things and he says, does this mean he doesn't love us? No, that doesn't mean that. He does love us. But we live in this world and things happen. But it doesn't mean that God doesn't love us because something happens in our lives. 
He loves us through it. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Praise God. God loves you in every circumstance, in every situation. He loves you. Praise God. The um, Amplified Bible says that this, like this, who shall ever separate us from Christ's love? Shall suffering, suffering and affliction and tribulation, or calamity and distress, or persecution, or hunger, or destitution, or peril, or sword? Can any of those things separate us from Christ's love? No. And then the message, it says, not, well, it says this, do you think anyone is going to be able to drive a wedge between us and Christ's love for us? There's no way. Not trouble, not hard times, not hatred, not hunger, not homelessness, not bullying threats, not backstabbing, not even the worst sins listed in Scripture. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Praise God. And, you know, sometimes we are, we're in the midst of something, and, and <laughs> I know, I'm sure I've had thoughts, God, where are you? You said you love me. What is going on? Where are you? Why is this going on? Why has this not come to pass? I've been praying about this. I've been standing. We didn't still, you know, this happened. You know, I was um, with my mom this weekend, and um, she had some things going on in her house, so we thought we had one thing figured out, and then something else popped up. And she was like, and I was like, it's okay. You know, it's all right. It's going to be all right. It's going to be taken care of. I'm glad we found it. I'm glad that we can get it taken care of. But initially, it was like, what else is going to happen? <laughs> you know? And sometimes we feel that way. But even in feeling that way, God is there for us. And never forget that. He still loves you, even in those situations. He's not forgotten about you. You know, how many times have people been Christians you know, they serve God, they're, you know, they're um, in church, they're, they pray, they give their tithes, they do all these things that, you know, they're supposed to do, um, you know, in accordance to the word, but then they get passed over on a promotion time after time. And they're like, what's going on? What's up with that? God, I thought you loved me. I thought you were for me. I thought you said, you know, that you... Give me favor with you and favor with man. I thought you said promotion doesn't come from the east or the west, but it comes from you. Well, where is my promotion? Do you love me? Do you care about me? And he may be saying, you know, I'm just preparing you for this promotion that I have. It's better than what you think, you know, you ought to have, but I already got the plan. You just hold on. Just hold your horses. Just remember, I love you. And because I love you, I'm watching out for you. And I want the best for you. 
And yeah, you could probably do those other jobs, but is that where you need to be? Is that the environment you need to be in? Maybe they're going to downsize in a few months or so. You know, God loves us. Praise the Lord. I love the way my, my mom says this. She always says, what is for you? Nobody can keep it from you. And it's true. What God has for you is yours. It's not, I'm going to say it like this. It ain't nobody else's. It's yours. And you stand your ground and you believe God. And you don't move off the fact that the God that I serve He's taking care of me. He loves me. He's got good things in store for me. And he's going to make sure that I get exactly what I need. He's going to make sure I get there at the right time. He's going to make sure that I'm in the right place. He's going to make sure that everything that needs for me to be successful is taken care of. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Yes, he loves you, Minister Floyd. He does. He loves us. So, you know, this next um, verse where it talks about um, verse 36, that's actually a quote from Psalm 42, 44, excuse me, verse 22. And if you read the whole, the entire Psalm, uh, they're going through, they're like, God, where are you? Do you see what these people are doing to us? Do you know we're laying, we are laying down in the, in the um, I think it says in the sand or in the dirt. Um, and they're like, have you forsaken us? Have you forgotten about us? Do you see what these people are doing to us? You know, they think that they can just kill us like we're sheep. But then I love what it says at the end of that um, that verse, or the end of that psalm, the last verse says this in the New Living Translation. It says, rise up, help us, ransom us because of your unfailing love. Because of your unfailing love. At one point, they even accused God of sleeping. He's like, wake up. Are you asleep? Do you see what's going on? But at the end, they say, rise up, help us, ransom us because of your unfailing love. So it didn't have anything to do about what they were doing, whether they were doing right or wrong. They're like, because of your love, we're expecting you to rise up and to take care of us. Praise God. So, you know, this love that we're talking about, this has nothing to do with your love for God. This has to do with God's love for you. It's all about his love for you. Yes, we love God, but this is talking about his love for you because it's not based on whether you perform. It's not based on whether you get everything right, whether you cross every T, every dot. It's not based on that. It's based on who he is and the fact that he loves you. Because he loves you. He loves me. Praise God. 
in um, verse 37, Paul is saying, in spite of these things, in the midst of all these things, we are more than conquerors. You know, we, we um, declare that I'm more than a conqueror. We're more than a conqueror because of who loves us. Amen? Um, in the sparkling gems, um, the first one, the phrase more than conquerors comes from the Greek word, and I am not, I think it's pronounced hooper nikos, a compound word. So it's two words. So hooper mean, literally means over and above. It depicts something that is way beyond measure. And the Nikos describes an overcomer, a conqueror, champion, victor, or master. So by joining these two words together into one word, Paul is declaring you are an overwhelming conqueror, a paramount victor, an enormous overcomer. So Paul is making a one fabulous jam-packed power-filled statement about you and me. This is who we are through him that loved us. This is who we are. We are an overwhelming conqueror. That's who you are. A paramount victor. An enormous overcomer. Now, you know, when I think about a conqueror, so when, think about like when there's... Um, if you are in a battle, if you have a battle, or you, you win something, you win some kind of contest or something. So you win, so on, once you won, you, can, you declare you're a conqueror, right? Okay, I conquered that. You know, I, I climbed that mountain, I got to the top. I conquered the mountain. But the more than a conqueror, if you consider this, consider it this way, this is someone who is praising God right in the middle of whatever is going on. They haven't gotten to the other side yet. Oh, but I'm more than a conqueror. I am more than a conqueror. That person is able to lift up their hands, and in the midst of battles, in the midst of persecution, in the midst of famine, in the midst of peril, in the midst of distress, in the midst of all these things, oh, no, I'm more than a conqueror. I'm more than a conqueror because, see, it's not based on what I see. It's not based on what I'm dealing with. It's based on the fact that God said I'm more than a conqueror. So that, to me, is someone who is more than a conqueror. Does that make sense? You know, anybody can say, oh, hallelujah, I won, I won after you won. Right? But who can say, I'm more than a conqueror. I don't care. In the name of Jesus, my bills are paid. In the name of Jesus, my children will do what God has called them to do. I'm more than a conqueror. God loves me. He loves my family. He loves my children. He knows I have these needs. That's the one that's more than a conqueror. That's the one who will stand and say, no, this is the way it's going to be. Those are the ones who stand in the face of the enemy and say, oh, no. Oh, no. I know what my God has said. I know what the word says. I know that I am loved. I know that God loves me. Oh, I may not have done everything right. I may not have it all together, but I know that God loves me. 
Hallelujah. And because he loves me, I'm more than a conqueror. Because he loves me, I will overcome. Because he loves me, I'm going to have everything that he's promised me. Hallelujah. Because he loves me, there's some good things in store for me. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And I'm not, I'm not camping here. I'm going to the other side. Praise God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you, Father God. We're more than conquerors. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thanks be unto God who always, 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 always causes us to overcome, to triumph. Always, not sometimes, but always. Praise the Lord. Praise God. I think about Abraham. It says in Romans chapter 4, uh, verse 19 through 21, it says, and being New King James, and being not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about 100 years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but he was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God and being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was also able to perform. Praise God. In verse 38, Paul said, I am fully persuaded. I am persuaded. I am persuaded. Praise God. Let's go back up there and look at that. In the um, New Living Translation, it says, in verse 38, I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, nor fears for today, nor our worries about tomorrow. None of this stuff, not even powers of hell, can separate us from God's love. So whether it's in the sky, above, on the earth, beneath, nothing can separate us from the love of God. And Paul said, I am, in this particular um, uh, translation, says, I am convinced. Are you convinced that nothing can separate you from God's love? Praise God. Convinced. Persuaded. Persuaded. You know, when you're persuaded about something, nobody can change your mind. Oh, no, no, no. You, you can't tell me that God isn't real. It's too late. I already have a relationship with him. So you can't persuade me different from that. I'm already persuaded that he is real. Are you already persuaded that God loves you? That he cares for you? Paul said that he said, I'm, I'm persuaded. I'm convinced. Nobody can change my mind about that. That's what Paul was saying. You cannot change my mind. It's too late. I already know. I've already experienced it. I'm fully persuaded. I'm not moved. Nothing you say can change my mind. Nothing you do can change my mind. Nothing. 
Praise God. Oh, let's see. Let me get you. Okay, so Paul was persuaded. Um, I could say a lot about that, but let's see. Um, but of course, let's look at verse 39. So Paul is saying in verse 39, he said that no power in the sky above or in the earth below, indeed nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. So there's nothing, you all, no fears about today, nothing about tomorrow, nothing about, you know, the future, the past. Nothing can separate us from God's love. Praise God. Well, y'all, you know, I always have a story, right? Not always, but sometimes. Let me just read this. I have several actually tonight, but one of them is too long for me to read now. So let me just read. Let me find it. Read this short one to you. Okay, y'all ready? Okay, let me see. What did I do with it? I probably should know it by heart, too. Okay, basically, I'll give you the short version. Oh, here it is. Um, I read a story about a family who was persecuted by some Muslims. Um, the family consisted of a little girl and her parents. And they killed the little girl's parents because they refused to denounce their faith in Jesus. And um, sadly, they killed her parents, the little girl's parents, right in front of her. So then they asked the little girl, and this is true, True story, okay? So I didn't make this up. <laughs> Somebody just didn't write this. Um, this is a story about martyrs. So this um, little girl, I think she's like eight years old, they asked her if she believed in Jesus, and she said yes. And they asked her if she would denounce Jesus, and she said no. So they told her, they said, well, we're going to throw you in with these dogs. So these dogs were vicious dogs, and they were, um, you know, they hadn't eaten and stuff like that, because, you know, they used them to terrorize people. So anyway, they did throw the little girl in there, and so the next day they came, and they came to, you know, see what had, what had transpired, and the little girl was there on her knees praying, and the most vicious dog of the pack was laying next to her, protecting her from the other dogs. Talking about God's love, what can separate us from the love of God? Nothing. Nothing. So, There's absolutely nothing that we can face or will face where we should not rely on God's love.